0: This episode of Marketing Nerds is sponsored by WordStream, a provider of software and services that help businesses and agencies take the guesswork out of pay-per-click advertising. Get early access to a special Marketing Nerds episode with the founder of WordStream, Larry Kim, about the big upcoming changes to Google AdWords and their impact to your AdWords account. Sign up at searchenginejournal.com slash wordstreampodcast. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free.
1: We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world and all we can think about is where... can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen, Heart of work. Yeah, you apparently
0: didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to?
1: This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal and you're listening to Marketing Nerds.
0: Welcome to another great episode of Marketing Nerds. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Kelsey Jones. I'm the executive editor at Search Engine Journal, and I'm joined here today by Cynthia Price. She is the VP of marketing at Emma, which does email marketing for the modern brand. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks so much, Kelsey. It's great to be here.
0: So since Emma does email marketing, I thought it'd be great for us to obviously talk about that. And so I know a lot of times our audience struggles with getting their emails read and responded to. So I wanted to delve a little bit deeper into that today.
1: So That sounds great. That is, you're not alone. Those are the things everyone wants to know.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. That's what marketers want is for people to pay attention to them. So (laughs) the first thing to kind of kick it off, I know... When I used to do a lot of email marketing back in the day, we spent you know hours figuring out the best subject line. So, do you have any good tips for our audience on you know what makes up a clickable email subject line?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is that is a common question around here, and um, the 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 right answer is of course the one that no one wants to hear, which is that it depends. Um, but the the answer <laughs> behind that is because it, it depends because you really do have to know your audience. So um, the thing about subject lines is that it's the first hurdle you kind of have to tackle with any any marketing project You can, or any email marketing project. You can build a great looking email that does all the things you want it to do. But unless you get their attention with the subject line, um, you know, it's a lot of wasted time. So the 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 quick answer is that there's no magic formula, but the key is to really test your audience. Um, almost any good email service provider is going to provide you with a testing tool that allows you to test different subject lines. We test every subject line that goes out um, to our customer base, and we optimize accordingly. So, you know what we're what we're testing tomorrow is based on the results of a test from last month, um, and and so on and so forth. But you also really want to make sure that you're making use of that pre-header text, the text that's just below the subject line in the inbox, Mm -hmm. gives you a great opportunity to kind of give them a preview, especially if they're reading on a phone, of what they might find inside. So a lot of people forget to use that space, um, you know, to to sort of extend the marketing message beyond what you've kind of said, you know, in the subject line, because the subject line is sort of a limited amount of space. Um, and then the other thing is just to make sure that you're you're paying attention to how long it is. An iPhone is going to cut off your subject line. I think it's thirty two characters. So you know the key thing you're trying to do in the inbox is stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if your real value proposition or the the thing that you think is truly going to get their attention happens at the end of the subject line, you want to be really careful that it's <laughs> that it's short enough that they're still going to be able to see it. Um, or that it really will get their attention right there when they when they see it in the inbox.
0: Yeah, for sure. And to your point about paying attention to you know the header and the body of the email, that's really important too. If uh, if somebody's using Google Apps or Gmail, because you know in the inbox it shows you the first line of the email in the inbox. So for a lot of people, they read that just you know just as much as they're reading the title.
1: Exactly. You know, and a lot of folks are putting really great looking images in the header of their emails. But unless you're also making use of that space sort of with the with the preheader text, you're going to miss kind of what that what that looks like. A lot of people are scanning their their inboxes the same way that they're scanning anything else. And so they're going to scan those subject lines and what's underneath them to, to figure out whether that's even worth their time to open, you know.
0: Exactly. And we all get so much email nowadays. I mean, something really has to stand out for me to even open it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Which which that brings me to another thing I wanted to ask you about, um, which is kind of still relatively new to marketing as a whole, is the use of emojis. And so I've seen a lot of uh, just personal um, email lists that I'm on for e-commerce sites like clothing or shopping. They use emojis in their subject line and in their emails, what are your thoughts on that? Have you found that to be effective or is it only for certain industries?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a common conversation point around here. We talk about that all the time and we're seeing people use them really effectively. But like anything else, I think, you know, the key there is that you want to you want to use them sparingly. You want to really use them to get someone's attention and not necessarily use them. You know, if they if they start to see you as a brand use a certain emoji or any emoji time after time, their eyes are going to glaze over to that the same way they do with with anything else, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the, there there are studies that actually show we we've been searching for some sort of hard stats on on what impact they have. And I think really just like the, your first question, it depends on the audience. I think that, you know, certain audiences are going to respond really well to emojis, um, probably a more millennial focused audience, Mm -hmm. whereas a, you know, an older audience might not. Um, and there, there are certainly studies that have kind of gone in both directions there. So it's hard to say sort of whether they work or don't work. I think it just, again, it, it sort of depends. Um, another key thing though to remember is to, to never use an emoji to actually replace a word that is a key part of the actual point Um, because some email clients will actually not render them properly and will kind of give them a a little black box of a look and it just confuses the recipient um, and probably is not encouraging them to open um, as a result of that.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that when you were talking because I have an Android and so Um, they Android has emojis, but they don't have all the ones that iPhones do. Yeah, sometimes (laughs) my friends will send me emojis. And it's like you said, it's that little black box. And I either have to kind of guess what it is based on what else they're saying, or I just have no idea. So I think that's something, you know, people kind of take for granted, they think that what they see on their screen is what everyone else is going to see. And with emojis, for sure, that's not always the case.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's really true.
0: So that you know that kind of leads into my next question which was is there are there things that you see a lot of email marketers doing wrong that you think are easy fixes or maybe they just don't realize like with the emoji uh, across platform thing
1: yeah, I think, you know, to me, I think that the key thing that we see people doing wrong as far as email marketing goes is, is just sending irrelevant emails. You know, to your point earlier, our inboxes are so crowded these days and you're not just competing with other brands. And I think sometimes we, we get so lost in our email marketing world that we forget that we're not competing with each other so much as we're competing with things that really matter um, to the recipient, things like their, their families and their bosses and their work colleagues and everything else. so what you're doing um, what you're doing for them by communicating with them via email has to be something that's incredibly relevant and they have to they've come to sort of expect that from you. So gone are the days where sort of a standard newsletter. For everyone is necessarily the right way to go for most email marketers. It's it's got to be a little bit more um, thoughtful and relevant, and something that you know using the data that you have about your audience to sort of serve them up something that that is going to get their attention and that they're truly going to going to want to draw them further to you as a brand. I think that's that's the key thing that we see people doing. Wrong I would to, to use that term is is that they're not necessarily being thoughtful enough about what kind of content to serve up um, and then you know obviously they're not necessarily using the tools that they have available to them like dynamic content or automation mm-hmm. or sort of av- leveraging the we can be so much smarter in this world of data about what <laughs> about what we know about our about our audience, um, even if it 's things like what emails they 've engaged with in the past you know it doesn 't have to be a mountain of data. it can be simple things like these you know this this audience, this group, this segment has shown interest in this topic before, so i 'll send them things that are relevant to it um, that again just sort of increases that engagement level. Um, and makes them sort of stickier as, a, as an audience member?
0: Yeah, I think because we get so much email, you know, it's kind of required us as email marketers or whoever's doing email marketing to kind of step up our game. And I think, you know, email design um, has become a lot more important because it's almost like web design. If I go to a company's website and it's terrible and looks, you know, looks bad, the links don't work... The layout is confusing. I I kind of almost equate that to the quality of the company. I think if their website's you know not very good, then their product might not be very good. And I think in some cases people do the same with email. If I get an email and all the links are broken, or you know the image is supposed to be clickable and it's not, uh, I also kind of equate that as a quality measurement of the company.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, we see that all the time where if someone has a bad experience with your email and this is, you know, you have to remember that they've invited you into their sort of personal email zone and you know how many emails they're getting every day and you know how crowded that space is for them. They've sort of given you the privilege of an invitation to communicate with them directly um, and it feels off-putting almost as, a, as an audience member if they send something, if a brand sends me something that is um, not... Not easy to navigate, not easy to to look at or to sort of land on or to understand what's going on. The key thing for us, um, I think the, the top mistake people make in that department is just not optimizing for mobile. You know, 53% in some studies of emails are opened on a mobile device. Um, these days, and, and you'd be surprised how many big brands, smart brands, who have great budgets are not necessarily thinking of mobile first. They're designing for the desktop and then kind of backing it up into mobile, and a lot of times that'll get you into trouble because it just doesn't... Not only does it not render correctly a lot of the time, but, you know, the experience itself isn't sort of taking into account that you don't want to read a lot of stuff right then that you maybe just Mm -hmm. want to go ahead and get to the point. You want it to be clean and simple and easy to understand. um, And to your point, lead you back most importantly to a place that is also mobile optimized or, you know, is, it feels, it feels sophisticated and the way that you want your brand to come across.
0: Yeah. I mean, when it comes to optimizing for mobile, people have you know, a low tolerance for things not working. So if I open an email on my phone and the image is huge and or the text isn't formatted right and I have to kind of scroll over, I don't have the patience to really put up with that. It doesn't even really matter who the brand is. And so not testing that across platforms is something that um, could be a huge mistake. I mean, you could just be wasting your time when it comes to email marketing, if you're not testing that and making sure that it's optimized correctly.
1: Yeah, I think it's such a good point. And it's, you know, email marketing is such a powerful tool and it really does work when done correctly. So it's just, it's such a missed opportunity um, exactly, when, when you sort of fail to fail to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I think people used to kind of see email marketing as an afterthought, so they didn't put a lot of stock into it. But I'm I you know, with Search Engine Journal, we have a pretty successful email list. Um I think it's at 45,000 subscribers now, and it just it, it can't be an afterthought. It has to have its own strategy, you know, its own time put into it. Um, in order for it to be successful because otherwise it's, it's not going to be worth the time and energy.
1: I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. You know, that we see a lot of our customers diverting, you know, it's also, it's a, it's a relatively cheap channel for a marketer. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, when you think about spending the, the money you spend to bring a new prospect to you versus the money you spend to sort of, Core, communicate with the audience you already have, especially when people have larger and larger prospects audiences that have signed up for valuable content. Um, the the missed opportunity there is is huge if you don't take advantage of it because the ROI is pretty strong.
0: Exactly. So that, you know, that begs the question, let's say, you know, we have an audience member that is looking to redo their email marketing. What what do you think is the most important thing to focus on first? You know, maybe the design of the email, the call to action, uh, the copy of the body and subject line. What would you say you know they should work on first
1: yeah well you know at, in an ideal world i think they would they'd work on all three you know we would <laughs> we, we would think that you know and and i think that that's a lot simpler to do than a lot of people think it is you know it doesn't it, it's not a giant Design ex- exercise. It's not a giant copywriting exercise. I think simplicity is oftentimes um, the thing that works the best in email marketing. So, you, I mean, you just want to make sure that the email looks good, that it feels like it's core, it's it's part of your brand message, that it's telling the same story that you're telling elsewhere, um, and that it doesn't sort of have this standard. Template, You know, I think I, you rarely see things that feel like they're a, sta- a stock template mm-hmm. in your inbox anymore because it really does feel like an extension of the website or an extension of, of your brand story. And almost any email editor these days makes that really easy to pull off. Um, that's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't take a giant design exercise. But, you know, if we, if I was to choose one thing on your list… I'd probably say that um, you, you want that CTA to be strong. You want it to be a big, nice, tappable button um, so that on their mobile phone, they're not sort of trying to click a tiny link. Um, and, and you want it to sort of have some action-oriented language that takes them back to, again, whatever it is you want them to do. Ultimately, in most cases, to your point, what you're trying to do with an email um, that you're sending is, is to get them to do something. So really focusing first on what it is you want them to do and what your best bet is to get them to do that. And then sort of working your way back from there and creating a pathway to that through, um, you know, nice design and, and you know, and in most cases, pretty simple copy, um, you know, to the conversation about reading on a mobile. In my experience, most people don't want to read a whole lot of long articles right there on their in their email inbox. Mm-hmm. If they, They'd like maybe a little snippet of it. They'd like a little preview maybe if you're trying to get them to an article um, or they'd like an image if you're trying to make them buy a product. I mean, whatever those things are, just creating sort of a clean, simple pathway for them to get where it is you want them to go and for you to make it super clear where it is you want them to go. A lot of times, People end up with, you know, too many CTAs in an email, and it's sort of confusing as a as an audience member. You're like, I can't quite figure out what it is they want me to do here.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like even if I want to give you your month, um, give you my money, you need to tell me where I can give it to you. You can't right. just say I have this new product and then not link to it or not have a call to action or an incentive for me to buy right then. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you know that kind of. Bigs the question, have you seen any good examples of brands that have done email marketing right, you know, if we're looking for examples to kind of use as inspiration?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that we always kind of start with, you can probably always look to your favorite retailers, um, and for the most part, they're going to be doing email really well, and, and they they obviously have kind of the easiest sell on them because they're looking to sell you things, and they probably know a lot about you, so we always kind of say like, Look at your own inbox and understand what about your favorite retailers are, you know, is compelling you to want to be a part of that and what can you mimic in your own world even if it's B2B or even if it's um, not necessarily sort of a, a clothing brand or any of those things. There's, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot that you can borrow from that system. We also have a couple customers that we always brag on. One is the um, Dogfish Head Brewery which has, um, you know, which is sort of a brand brewery that has, you don't really think of them as an email marketing, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not necessarily trying to get you to buy beer with their email, but they're trying to create a relationship with them as a brand. And so they have you know a really great automated welcome series that loops you into their conversation with them. It probably makes their, their customers feel like they're a part of a club, which is ultimately, I think, part of the goal to make you feel like you're a part of um, a brand community. Um, and they get great open rates on that whole series. We also love Goldie Blocks, which is… Um, oh, I a- love them. Yeah. They're, they're one of our favorite stories to brag on because they just do such great stuff. They're, they do engineering toys that are sort of catered to girls and they have really a great brand story and some wonderful fans as a result of that. And that audience is growing every day and they just do really strong things to, to sort of draw that, that audience towards them. And they're not all salesy. And that's what we love about them is they do a good job of sort of balancing out the sales opportunities with the community building aspects and just the education of the, as a brand. Um, they sort of know what what their audience expects them to do for that community, and they and they play up to it.
0: Yeah, they're really cool. I like um, what they're doing, and I think they have a unique selling proposition, which you know kind of brings me to a question that I think would be good to close on. Um, you know, when a, when a company is trying to decide how they want to structure you know their email sequences or the emails they just send regularly, do you think it's more important to have emails that um, have, I don't know, unique propositions for the subscribers, like like a coupon or whatever, or do you think it's more important to kind of build that relationship first through storytelling and through kind of, I guess, pushing or promoting what makes them more unique versus their competitors?
1: yeah I think you know I think it's typically gonna be a blend I mean I I'll say for my own purposes that my number one reason of sign for signing up for any retail list is that I want that introductory coupon yeah <laughs> yep. Like there's there's a little bit of incentive on the front end that typically gets the sign up to happen that sometimes works really well. Um, but you also you know there's some brands too that that send me a 20 percent off email almost every three weeks. Wait for that for that to come around. You know, like there's know. a little bit of you can overdo that um, if all you're doing is offering offering coupons and discounts. Um, I think it, it definitely requires a balance, and it, it definitely also just requires knowing your audience. You know, when you have a thoughtful audience like GoldieBlox does, it gives you some different opportunities to play with content and education and community building um, in ways that aren't necessarily just about buying a product.
0: Exactly. Like what works for Bed Bath & Beyond probably isn't going to work for Goldie Blocks because they're two different types of offers and companies. So that's a good point.
1: Yeah, no, that's very true. So,
0: okay. Well, I a lot of good stuff today. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about email marketing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Kelsey. It was a great discussion. Again, this is Kelsey Jones with Search Engine Journal and Cynthia Price with Emma.
1: This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.